Hey everybody, it's the Ron and Don Show. Hey you guys, what's going on? It's episode number 105 of the Ron and Don Show. He's Ron. He is live from the Les Schwab Studios on South Lake Union. I'm Don and I am live from the Les Schwab Studios on Queen Anne as we continue to practice social distancing. And guess what? We're on Zoom. In fact, maybe we have Zoom exhaust. Do you have Zoom exhaust? We'll talk about that in a minute. Also, what was it like? Major League Baseball is talking about coming back. You know, in 1918, they were playing Major League Baseball. In fact, a third of the world during the Spanish flu pandemic had the Spanish flu, and yet Major League Baseball decided to play anyway. You're not going to believe how they played and what happened as a result of them playing anyway. Before we get to that, let's get to this. Ron Gambling, uh, you don't see yourself as much of a gambler as a card player. What's kind of the difference between a gambler, a card player, and then we got an incredible story about some loaded dice this morning, right? Well, uh, uh, most people, this is thin slicing things, but um, I like to play poker, which is totally, people always ask you, well, how much did you lose whenever you, if you had a score? So it, it, there is a gamble in, the, it's, a, it's a gamble luck game and the gamble skill game, whereas all the other table games are just luck games. And yeah. so what I mean by that is they've done studies uh, like the Chicago School of Economics on whether or not um, poker is actually a game of skill. And you can mathematically prove that it is. That doesn't mean that I am skilled. It means that the game itself is skilled. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, yes, it is. I was actually um, – playing in a game of a good buddy of ours that does sewer inspections and uh, the other players was very lucky so oh. but anyways that is a different story for a different day oh, uh, but you can actually uh you can actually go yes that mathematically what just happened is lucky whereas it's not this abstract oh my god you're so lucky anyway that takes us to new seattle seahawk quentin dunbar hmm. who has been uh, released on a hundred thousand dollar bond what a- Surrendering to police in Florida. These stories, if I could just be a news editor for a minute, these stories as they're written in the sports section of the Seattle Times, they take the court stuff for the first thousand words is on the procedure of the court. His lawyer said this, he went to the court there, they filed this docket, it's going on and on and on. Like, what happened? You yeah. gotta front. You gotta take what happened and and move it all the way from the bottom to the top because that's the interesting part. So yeah. here's what happened: Quentin Dunbar, who was with the Washington uh, football team in Washington D.C., and is now going to be a Seattle Seahawk. Him and his fellow NFL player were bored, and so they found themselves a home gambling situation. <laughs> which was a home dice game. Oh boy. Now this is a high stakes home dice game because Dunbar lost $70,000 playing dice. Oh. Which immediately to me sounded like a loaded dice game. So if you're a, a home game, whether it's poker or dice, some people have like blackjack or roulette set up in home games, uh, depending on how high stakes you go. Sure. There's a thing called loaded dice. Okay. And so what loaded dice means is you have uh, identical pairs of dice. Three of them um, are going to be like three sets will be standard unalterated dice. And then there'll be a couple sets where they actually put pieces of lead weight in uh, off center 
that then will make the dice favor certain numbers. So while the dice is being manufactured to look exactly like the other dice, you will embed these, these weights in those dice. And so it's almost imperceptible, but it's enough of a weight that when you throw that piece, that, that set of dice, it's more likely to land on a specific number. It doesn't guarantee you that number, but if you give it, several spins or several rolls, uh, it's going to average out to be those numbers. So what I think probably happened is Dunbar comes in, he starts flashing a huge bankroll. He pulls a big wad of hundreds out of his pocket. And so the people at that home game realize we got us a whale here. So you let him win. What's a whale? Whales is someone that's a that's that's swinging around a lot of cash. Oh, okay. so a whale is someone. So they got the you, you're either a whale or you're a fish. A oh. fish is someone that gets eaten by a whale. <laughs> got, I'm a fish. You, you got you got whales. You got fish and you got sharks. Have you ever heard the word? A card shark? Yeah, I would want to be a shark. I would think that I'm a shark, but I... You'd, probably, you'd, be, a, you'd be a total fish. If we were sitting here playing Old Maid with my son right now, I'd be a fish. I mean, I just yeah. get pile-driven no matter what the card game is. Uno, I, I'm, I'm out. I'm at, so the shark will eat the fish. Sharks yeah. try to eat whales, okay. but sometimes the whales are so deep-pocketed uh, that they can even uh, uh, eat, the, eat the, both the fish and the whale. So anyways, oh, whale. whale comes in. And um, so this is my speculation. The article does not say this, but in my, in my imagination of how this happened, yeah. Quentin Dunbar, they probably let him win a little bit. So he's up 20 grand. He's up 25 grand. He's feeling good. They're plying him with alcohol. Usually there's a guy in a game like this at a home game that's super funny and gregarious or you have a super hot women's, woman scantily clad or you have both. At a home game? Yeah, they're making him feel good, man. He's really? flirting with the girl. He's getting free drinks. They bring over his favorite food. Um, she's flirting with him, maybe showing some cleavage. Your favorite food at a home game? Isn't for for $70,000? Yes. Microwavable uh, popcorn or something Dude, like that? Not at a $70,000 game. This is not a home game that's happening in a basement somewhere. It's probably in a high-rise oh. house. Uh, you got an open bar, maybe some other things uh, happening in a home game like this. And so then after he's up and starting to get a little loose, had a couple pops, maybe flirted with the girls for a moment, then the, they, they swap it, they distract him, swap out the regular dice for the loaded dice. And so now the slide begins. So now he's uh, back to even. And then a lot of guys start to chase their losses, and so they increase the size of their bet as they're losing. Mm -hmm. So now he's down a grand. Now he's down three grand. Now he's down five grand. Uh, maybe he starts increasing his bet. Now he's down 15, 20, 40, 60. Now he's down $70,000. That's probably all the money he had with him. Mm -hmm. Early in the morning, he leaves. Then he wakes up the next day, and he's talking with his boy. I'm, again, I'm making this up. And he's, like, he's like, we got taken. Yeah. We got hustled. Yeah. I tried to call that hot girl, and that's not even her phone number. <laughs> uh, you know, and she knew I was that's an NFL fun. player. <laughs> so then they hatch a plan. Yeah. Two, two days later. Okay. With guns, they go back to that home dice game and they rob the dice game uh, to get 
quote unquote, get their money back. Yeah. And uh, so they robbed them at gunpoint. They're arrested. And so here we are. Welcome to Seattle. Your new cornerback, Quentin Dunbar. Wow. $70,000 in a dice game. It seems like Quentin was not aware of the second O.J. Simpson trial. No. So they took twelve grand in cash, $61,000 in jewelry and watches. Uh, and this dice game was not social distancing. There was 20 people at the dice game. Yeah. Wow. What do you think is going to happen to him? I mean, O.J. did real time as a result of this. And for those that don't know, uh, he broke into a room in a hotel with some of his guys. They had guns. He did not. And there was some memorabilia that he felt belonged to him that was being sold. Including Joe of- Montana's cleats. Yeah, that he, <laughs> that he owned. So he broke back in his hotel room uh, to try to get his gear back. And as a result of that, he was arrested to years in the penitentiary, like hard time. And people really felt like the seven years that he did in the penitentiary uh, was to make up for uh, what happened with Nicole Brown Simpson. So in this particular case, he could be in real trouble and have the Seattle Seahawks said anything at this point other than uh, typically what teams say, hey, we're we're because a gentleman like this has rights, right? Uh, so you're going to come out and say, yeah, we're monitoring, uh, we're monitoring the situation typically, and it's a legal issue, so we have nothing to say. And you always look at it and you go, oh, man, you had a $3.25 million contract with the Seahawks, and then you throw your entire livelihood away because your pride was hurt that you got taken for 70 grand. 70 grand is a lot of money to lose in a gambling underground gambling game. Yeah. But if you pause for a second and go, dude, I'm set to make $3.25 million. There's probably bonuses on top of that. Uh, I got a pretty good run here as a professional football player. You know, you learn your lesson and, and you say, you know, don't go to that dice game anymore. Yeah. Hey, let's do this. We come back. Do you have Zoom exhaust? We also want to hit some headlines, including this headline. 1918, Major League Baseball. There's a flu pandemic. You've heard about it. Major League Baseball had to make a decision. It's the same decision they have to make this morning. Do we have a season? Do we not have a season? They decided to have a season. You are not going to believe what happened as a result of that decision. Let's talk about it next. It's the Ron and Don Show, live from the Les Schwab Studios, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. When you're ready to sit down with the guys, just reach out by email, ron at windermere.com. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. This is episode number 105. Don't forget, Ron and Don, we are licensed brokers at Windermere. And in fact, real estate, you guys, has been very, very busy. In fact, we are the busiest we have ever been. Buyers are looking to buy right now and make a deal. Sellers are looking to sell. And if they are looking to sell right now during a pandemic, uh, chances are they're going to need some help because it's not easy to sell a house right now during a pandemic. We know this because we're part of selling four different properties last week. Four different properties. Thanks for trusting Ron and Don. We appreciate you guys. Reach out to Ron. Ron at Windermere.com. Don O'Neill at Windermere.com. Everything at RonandDon.com. We do something called a virtual sit-down, and we just find out where you're at in your real estate journey and uh, if we should jump aboard and escort you the rest of the way. And we love doing that, especially with Carol, because she's a great baker, one of our clients, 
It makes us bread. We're fat. We have the COVID nineteen now. I was I was ser- Ron. I was seriously up to two two seventeen. Whoa, two seventeen. I was up to. I'm two- up to two oh nine. But pre COVID weight, I was one ninety four. Yeah, I was. I was. I like to be about two oh two. I was two oh two. I was up to two seventeen. I. I, I am back down to 207, so I am with I, – I, I, I always thought the gym was going to come back, and it never came back, so I finally just set up a gym at my house, and I went back to trails and trail running and uh, got a hold of myself. So. Have you seen the entrepreneur that made a sling for you to put canned goods in to do dumbbell? Like you can lift all – you just put canned goods in, <laughs> stack them into these yeah. little handles, and you can lift your canned goods. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because we're seeing gyms come back in other parts of the country. We'll see if gyms come back here. Talk about Zoom exhaust a little bit. In fact, we are on Zoom right now, and it's one of the reasons why the broadcast sounds so crunchy. We've ordered some broadcast gear because uh, we think we'll be socially distancing doing this radio show for a while. We're sorry it's so punishing. Uh, but for a lot of folks like you and I, Ron, this is how we socially distance. This is how we put the show together, right? Yeah, so when FaceTime first came out, it seemed like science fiction. It's like, oh my God, I can be on my phone and my mom is in New Mexico and we can just FaceTime each other and it's amazing. And hey, look at my son, he's growing up and that's your grandma and you're like doing, it is kind of science fiction-y and you don't notice it much when you are doing a social call or the call is not really long if it's one other person. Now, when we're in these situations where there are 10 people or 16 people on the, a, a, a shared business call, there's a couple things that are happening. It, it, it seems like you're able to see everybody's face. Uh, so it, in your brain, there's part of your brain that's like, oh, this is social interaction, but it's really not. You, there's another part of your brain that realizes that you are not in the same room with this person and that you're in your computer in your room and they're on their computer in their room. And then there is a, a, a thing called latency. So no matter how fast the internet is, there is like 110, 120 millisecond latency hmm. from when I say something to when it goes through the interwebs and it shows up on your screen. Uh, and so there's this little stutter. There's a little hesitation that is not there with the flow uh, of regular in-person conversation that yeah. causes it. It just, it feels exhausting. You're constantly waiting for that little, get that little glitch in the matrix. And then the third thing they talk about is self-consciousness. You, when you, when we're in person and I'm talking to you, I cannot see myself. I can't see a window where I'm saying, Oh my gosh, like I burned my son, my, my son, my nose is sunburned or, <laughs> you know, that's, a, we, had, we, had, we had a couple of warnings where Ron looked like Rudolph the red nosed reindeer and I couldn't get over it and I couldn't figure out what it was. And initially I didn't say anything to you. And then the next day it was even redder. And then the next day I, I really thought your nose was going to fall off at some point. Right. So I finally asked you about it. Right. And what you're saying is, you're sitting there, and I'm not telling you anything new because you can see yourself in a box above my head when we're having a chat. So you can see your Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer nose too. So, something to do with your allergies, I think, right? Right. So the, you, these things all make these Zoom calls very exhausting. So not only am I trying to pay attention to you, um, but in a normal room out of your peripheral vision, you can see the whole audience 
Yeah. So if, if I'm talking to you're sitting there and the CEOs to the right of you and the secretaries to the left or the assistant, I don't know what they're called these days. I can kind of take in the whole scene and in one glance and kind of shift my focus back and forth. But if I'm on three different zoom windows and you're not configured next to each other, like you normally would be, I'm constantly back bouncing back and forth to these other things. There's no real eye contact. And I'm also seeing myself up there. And it's like, Oh, I shouldn't have wore that shirt today. Or wow, my background looks really weird. Or your my hair's not right today. And it's just exhausting when you do that meeting after meeting after meeting. I'm not going to complain like you and I have a lot of these zooms. My uh, a friend of mine that uh, works out of the Bay Area that is a, a pretty high level executive at a at a company. He sent me a, a screenshot of his calendar. It is insane. He goes from 8 a.m. in like 30 to 40 minute increments. He has a, his assistant that books these for him. He mm-hmm. goes from 8 a.m. to probably 6 p.m. every single day. It is zoom, 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 zoom. So he has this station set up in his house where he tries to have a neutral background in the background, but it's like he's he's going crazy like we we had a zoom the other day so he could sort of vent to me a little bit of how difficult it is he's like i make good money uh you know this is a high profile job he's like i'm going insane it is just one zoom meeting after the next all day every day i feel like i'm in the shining yeah Uh, it's just do you have that off-putting feeling when you're doing this as well you know, you know, now that you've explained it to me, it makes sense because I'm not a person that really gets exhausted. It, like I was, I was Saturday and Sunday, uh, I was just working on some uh, personal real estate projects that I have. And when I go out and I do that work and you came by, thanks for stopping by, by the way, it's good to see you. Six feet apart uh, the entire time. Yeah. When, when I'm doing that work, I'm invigorated by it. Like I, like I love to work with my hands. I love to take a jackhammer and, and, you know, take out a whole sidewalk. I like, I love that when I get, when I get done, I'm jacked up about it because it gives me a feeling of either being on a trail run or going to the gym. It just, it, it, it it releases all these endorphins and all these dopamine, all this dopamine in my brain. And I'm jazzed about it. But when we sit here and we do these zoom calls, like you, you and I jump on every single morning, at least we did last week at 7am. And uh, there were some days where we would still be not on the same call, but still zooming at three, four o'clock. And, and, and today might be one of those days. Uh, I couldn't figure out why I was so tired and I couldn't figure out why my son was so tired. Uh, he's been sleeping more than he has ever slept in his life. And I think a lot of it has to do with, with, with trying to learn on Zoom. Let, let me ask you this, because from a technical standpoint, you just know a lot more about these things than I do. Zoom was acquired. Where do you see Zoom going, and how could it get better in the next year or two? Because it seems like a lot of us are going to be Zooming, our kids are going to be Zooming, our students are going to be Zooming, or we're going to be Zooming – uh, with our boss, my my mom uh, and I, we Zoom a lot. We talk a lot. We Zoom a lot. We FaceTime a lot. Uh, my son actually gets on Zoom and plays his trumpet for for my mom, his grandma, which is really cool. Uh, so I'm I'm very appreciative for it. Very very appreciative. Now that it's been acquired and some more money is going to be pumped into this thing, uh, what what's going to happen? I mean, I don't. You're never going to be able to get away from. 115 second you know latency that's just how it's going to be 
So I think this Zoom fatigue will be there. I think what will happen is that you this will be a tool that we now have in the toolbox. Right now, it's the only tool. So uh, it's exhausting to use. But if it's a tool amongst other tools, I think that that will be the future where it's like, hey, we're realizing we don't need to meet in person every single time. Uh, we can do a Zoom call for this category of meeting. Uh, and then there will be meetings where we're going to meet yeah. in person. And then we're not going to do it all day, every day. Let so me maybe you, you know, just have a, a, a window. It's like, hey, from 9 to noon, we'll do Zooms. And then the rest of the day, we're not doing Zooms. Yeah. So let me ask you this. We have a client right now. We had multiple offers on their property over the weekend. So we're going to Zoom with them at some point. And Ron does a great job of pulling out the contract. And then we go, we, we just go line by line and we go through the contract together, which I think has been, and we do it on Zoom which I think has been really positive and really good. And Ron's really good at it. Uh, do you, we, but there, but there's something too about going on this journey, right? These, these are some sellers of ours. There are listeners. We have gotten very involved emotionally. We are very involved with this family. They are very involved with us. We have spent time together tuning up their home. We know their story. They know ours. Uh, and this is the client that bakes bread for us. and and, make cinnamon rolls for my son and, and crocheted beautiful blankets. Um, I'm going to kind of miss that today of being in a room with them, going over these contracts and then coming to that point where we're going to sell a house because selling a home is very, very emotional. You guys, this is where they raise their son. So I want to be in that room and feel the emotion. I think I'm going to miss that today a little bit on zoom, even though zoom is very efficient. I want to be there. I want to hug them. I want to congratulate them. And I, and I bet there'll be a few tears today too. How about you? Yeah, I miss the energy. Like that's what we, we were going to talk about sports here coming up. There is a palpable energy when you are in a room with other human beings and you, something exciting is happening or a conflict is happening or you're moving towards a goal. And that's the thing that, 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 that the computer stuff doesn't capture for me. It's a little, it's a little flat. Yeah. Uh, and even if someone's like, Oh man, it's so great to see you. It's just different than when you're in the physical space with them and you can feel that energy or you can feel because sometimes that energy then infects the other people around you. And now the whole level of the room has gone up. It just feels different. It feels different and it is different. So I agree with you. It's a, it's a great tool. I think that like Google just launched a version of zoom that uh, they're having video meetings because they're seeing how popular it is. So they're uh, jumping into that space. And of course, FaceTime's been around for a long time. So they're in that space. So I think this is here. And it, I do think there's a place for it as moving forward. Yeah. Especially, you know, Twitter just said they are going to just, you don't have to come back to work. Mm -hmm. um, so like those sort of scenarios, I think that it's going to be great, but we still need, we're still social animals and we still need to be face to face yeah. with folks. Let's do this. We'll come back and I'm going to pitch. Ron's going to hit. We'll play a little baseball. I'm going to throw some topics his way uh, and he'll just riff on them for a couple minutes. Don't forget Ron and Don licensed brokers at Windermere. You don't have to bake us bread, but we would love that. We would love that. And you don't have to knit us blankets because Carol already did that, you guys. But um, 
In fact, Ron, you don't have your beautiful blanket yet. I'll have to get that to you. And I'm freezing over here. Yeah, if I can pry it away from my son. Uh, Ron at Windermere.com, Don O'Neill at Windermere.com. If you ever need to find us and you don't remember that, and you're like, hey, I need to talk to those guys, go to ronanddon.com. There's a couple of buttons there. Uh, everything about the radio, everything about real estate is there for you, okay? Uh, come back with headlines. Don't go anywhere. We're live from the Les Schwab Studios this morning, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Follow us on the social media platforms. Just search for Ron Upshaw or Don O'Neill. All right, you guys, here we go. Episode number 105 of the Ron and Don Show. We're going to play a little baseball here. I'm going to pitch. Ron's going to... Ron's going to hit, we're on 1918. A third of the world has the Spanish flu. There's a pandemic going on. It would last 15 months. They say somewhere between 50 to 100 million people die. They had a hard time keeping track of the real reason why people die because of complications and also because they didn't have the technology that we have today. In 1918, they had to make a decision. Do we play baseball? Major League Baseball decided to play baseball. In fact, you can go back and look at pictures of Major League Baseball players standing at the plate with face masks on. You'll see catchers with face masks on and not the typical catcher face mask. It's a medical face mask with the catcher face mask over that. You see umpires. You see people there uh, in the crowd that are social distancing with face masks on watching the game. Major League Baseball decided to play. As a result of that, they say that Major League Baseball was responsible for providing hotspots for the Spanish flu to really take off because of the crowds of people that would gather. So when they look back in 1918 and they say something, well, a a lesson learned, maybe we shouldn't have played that year. They went ahead and played and people died as a result of that. And Ron, Major League Baseball... Football right now, college football, they're trying to figure out what are we going to do with our fall sports? Is there anything to learn from 1918? Yeah, don't get 62,000 people in a stadium when you have a pandemic going on. And just by the way, the the Spanish flu had nothing to do with Spain. The uh, COVID-19 is not the Chinese flu. Uh, There have been flus that started in America, and we don't call them the American flu. N1H1 started in a pig farm in America, I believe, uh, and that one's we're not calling it the American flu. So, like, I just want to throw that out there. (laughs) We labeled it the Spanish flu, but it wasn't actually affiliated with Spain. So, um, yeah, having 62,000 people at Fenway uh, resulted in almost 5,000 Bostonians dying where they could trace it directly back uh, to attending those games. I get it that sports is a great distraction and that that marks the rhythm of your life. And this has been interrupted. And wow, we, you know, if you follow the NBA season or the NHL season all the way till now, and it's like, what, no, we just don't, we don't get a champion. Like we're not going to have the playoffs or going into the next college football season. Um, you know, that's a thing that right now you start to go, okay, we just had the NFL draft. Next thing you know, we're going to have mini camps and like many people, many millions of people, uh, chart their year this way. Or if you're a soccer fan, it's like, I'm getting my scarf out. We're going to cruise down to, to watch the Sounders play. And we have a ritual and I'm meeting up with my buddy and we're going to march and we're going to put a scarf over our head and we do this thing and it's really fun. Um, that's just not going to be there. Uh, and, and I miss it too. You know, I find an emptiness when I'm reading those, uh, NFL stories where it's like, okay, like 
nice that Tom Brady and Gronk are reuniting in Tampa. I don't think they're playing this year. Like, I really do not think they're playing this year. Um, I, I love going to a Mariner game as much as the next guy and, and you know, sitting out in, in left field and having a hot dog. But sorry. <laughs> like, it's just – it's am I wrong? It's just, you can't do this. You just well, can't do it. I had a friend asked the other day, they said, you know, even if you played in empty stadiums, baseball is a little different because you're not leaning and laying on each other. I know in other parts of the country where soccer teams are preparing to go back into practice, uh, you have pro teams over in Germany right now, and we talked about this. They, they arrive in their car. They don't go in the locker room. Uh, they do their drills. They do specific soccer drills. They can't play soccer because they're socially distancing. And when they leave, they go home and shower. They go home in their wet clothes. The chef hands them a bag of their daily food. And that's kind of it. So how a soccer game rises out of that, I don't know. And I think the interesting thing, when you go back to 1918, because a third of the world had the flu uh, during that pandemic at that time when Major League Baseball was playing, at least you were on your way to some type of herd immunity. And what we're learning through the testing is that worldwide, we're not even close. I do like what the president said the other day, and I totally agree with him. He said, if there wasn't so much testing, we wouldn't have so many cases. And then he went on to say, if we had no testing, then there would be no cases. And so he's tired of all the testing. Well, that's, that's, called, that's a brilliant analysis. By that's going on. Yeah. All right. A couple other stories here. Kid down in Olympia. He's been uh, not even just socially distancing, locked in his apartment for three months. He gets in his car. He drives 600 miles to go get a COVID-19 haircut. Him driving 600 miles, Ron, was it really about the haircut? Or do you think it was just about, wow, I've been locked in my apartment for three months. I got to get out of here. Well, it was his hometown. So he didn't drive to a random place. But he found a, a spot, I believe, outside of Sacramento. that was uh, There was a place where he's from. And his yeah. friend had posted a picture on Facebook. So, yeah, a road trip actually sounds pretty nice if you, the gas stations are open where you can just cruise around and take a nice long drive. Like, I, I think that was part of it. I have some friends that were just uh, posting on Facebook. They were up by Oso, and a nail salon was open. And so she, like, pulled over and went in and got her nails done. It had, like, a <laughs> plexiglass shield in between her and the, and the nail salon person. Everybody's wearing masks, which she's just, like, yeah. it just felt good to have a salon, a salon treatment. So I get it. My niece, who they, it was in Florida, I believe, was able to get a haircut. But she, again, had to wait outside. They texted her to come in. Everybody wore masks and gloves. Uh, but she was ecstatic to be able to get her haircut done. Yeah, I have a friend that does Botox injections. They're opening for the first time today on Monday. Uh, she said they will be wearing the same medical gear that you see uh, doctors wearing in the ICU. People will come. They have to sit in their cars. They're, that is the waiting room. And then they're going to call. You come from your car. You go in. You then also have to put on the same medical gear. And, and now I can see why. It made sense when we didn't have enough gear to make sure these places that do elective surgery or things like Botox, uh, where you're using needles and, and you need all this gear. Uh, when there was a shortage of gear, it, it, that made sense. So hopefully there's not a shortage of gear anymore. And hopefully she'll be safe and her patients will be safe. But it's, it, it's kind of a brave new world here. And we're just going to kind of see uh, 
we're going to see kind of how that goes. For me, for instance, I would love to see a gym open back up. But then I was going to say, I would love to go get my Botox appointment on. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I would. I would. I would love to. To and 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 in fact, I've had one. I've shared that story before. Uh, I would love to see a gym open up with a ten-year-old at home. Though I don't think I'd go. Uh, if I didn't have my son, I probably would, but because I have a 10 year old at home, uh, I think I'll just keep running outside and, and, and dealing with a little, uh, weight system I, I set up here at home. So, uh, a couple more things here real quick as we're hitting headlines, uh, wandering animals, Ron, uh, all around the country, there's lots of animals in big national forests that are kind of returning to what they feel is their natural habitat. And as we open back up here, well, they don't we feel to, it's their natural habitat. It is their natural habitat. Yeah, we, we, not we, our natural habitat. Yeah, we have to be. We have to be careful here, don't we? Yeah, this I found super interesting. When they opened the the uh, national park system uh, in the United States in the early 1900s, in 1904, there were 120,000 people that visited the national park system. Obviously, the population of the United States was much less then. In 1989, they went to 100 million people had visited uh, the parks that year. In 2019, 327 million park visitors. Um, and yes, it drove wildlife out. This is one of the fascinating things that we're seeing that, that may be a silver lining of COVID is that you have dolphins returning to the Venice canals for the first time and uh, that anyone can remember. You have animals in the Everglades to Yosemite to, uh, you know, all of the national parks in the West Coast and the Rockies animals returning to their habitat and you know elks you know have calving out in the middle of a field that normally would have a dude with binoculars and a visor on you know wrangling his family out of a minivan so that i find is actually interesting you know the oceans uh, have rebounded a little bit because there's just less boat traffic and less pollution and air quality has improved um you know I, I, nobody's going to pause and think about this when we're cranking up commerce again, but it is interesting for environmentalists to throw it out there and go, maybe we could hit the timeout button and just think about it. Like, look at what the, how the earth is sort of inhaled uh, when we give it a chance. Can we continue to give it a chance? But there's just too much demand to get the economies around the world going. Yeah. I think about our kids and our kids' kids, and I think about global warming and at least with this pandemic, we can look at other pandemics. I looked at pandemics going all the way back to 1331. And there's something that happens where when people can see the, the light at the end of the tunnel, it's not a train. They can look to the other side. Uh, people begin to socially accept a pandemic before the medical community can actually solve it. Uh, and that's what happened with AIDS, for instance. People just kind of accepted it at some point. And that's what happened with SARS. People ex just kind of accepted it at some point. Uh, even with polio, tuberculosis, people socially accepted, and then the medical community, community began to catch up. It'll be interesting here. We see this happening in the South right now, where these states have opened up, like Georgia and Florida, and they'll say, hey, you know what? We are crowding the beaches, and yet our virus counts continue to go down. Are they going down, going back to the president, because they're not testing and they're testing less? Or are they going down because it's hotter than hell in Georgia and Florida right now and this particular virus uh, responds or doesn't respond uh, in, a, in a particular way? So 
I look at all this and, and the, the great concern for me is at least with this, we see a vaccine in the future. We see things getting better with global warming. When this hits our kids and our kids, kids and our kids, 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 once that ignites and it seems like it already has, and I'll give you the final say here, Ron, on our final story. Uh, there's no vaccine for that. There's no. no turning back. There's no flipping a switch. There's no turning it off. Uh, and I have thought with this pandemic, it has made me think a lot about global warming and, and the planet that we are leaving behind uh, to people that we love and care about. Yeah, the watching how quickly this became politicized and the death of over 100,000 Americans became politicized, you always frame it up in terms of wars. This is more Americans dying uh, than the Vietnam War that was, you know, headlines for years and years and years. I, I believe more deaths, American deaths, than World War II at this point. Or we're getting pretty close. No, not no, no, not 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 close on World War II, but definitely on, on Vietnam, which is just under sixty thousand. So, so we're, we're over eighty-five thousand, and, and this will continue to climb into into a hundred thousand for sure. So I, I stand corrected on that. But the um, I guess where I was going with that is that the environment is not going to change on political or philosophical terms. It's going to change on practical terms. And I'll give you an example, something like the Tesla car. People, the first adopters bought that car for environmental reasons, but the mass appeal of that car is just because it's a great car. And people buy it that don't care about the environment. They just care that they want a really cool car. So that's how the environment's going to be saved. When you can, when I could present you with a way to power your house that is cheaper and more efficient than electricity, you're just going to buy that. Not because you're an environmentalist, but because you're like, oh, I can power my whole house for $14 a month. Okay, sign me up for that. Not because it's like, oh, I'm, I'm saving the world for my grandkids. That's how this is going to work worldwide is as technologies improve and you just want that car because it's a great car and you don't have to buy gas or that you can power your house and it's less expensive than the other way and it, it works better. Those are the things that are going to move this along, unfortunately, because it's hard to abstract uh, the entire environment of the world and think, well, I, I can't impact that. So that's how I think that will end. No, that's true. I was having a conversation with one of my uh, real estate partners yesterday and we were talking about what we're going to do with this house that we dismantled. And we had that conversation about natural gas versus electricity. And we just feel like with everything that this house is going to be doing, uh, we need more gas in the house. And as a result of that, uh, we are going to treat the world better, but we didn't talk about treating the world better. We basically talked about the fact that we could save a lot of money and then pass that savings along uh, to people that are going to rent these units. So anyway, Hey you guys, thanks for stopping by on this Monday. You have to admit the weather has been pretty great here in the Pacific Northwest. And if you had to ride through a pandemic spring into the summer, uh, this would be the weather. Uh, that you would order up because it's not too hot yet. Uh, the sun has been out. It's been beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And when it comes to Zoom, 
uh, hey, even though it's imperfect and we get a little exhausted by it, uh, Ron and I will Zoom with you if you're on your real estate journey uh, and maybe just have some questions. Um, and we'd love to chat with you about where you're at. And even if you're not ready for another six months to a year, start having those discussions now, you guys. If it's not with us, with your agents, have that discussion now. That's how you get the best outcome is when you start preparing six to 12 months out, <clears throat> okay? Uh, we know we, we know homes that we're gonna bring on a year from now, uh, and we'll begin prepping those homes uh, a few months from now. So he's Ron, I'm Don, reach out to Ron. Ron at windermere.com, Don O'Neill at windermere.com. Everything, all the podcasts, the 105 podcasts, go to ronanddon.com. You can also click on the radio microphone, or you can click on the real estate guys, and uh, we can get in touch and talk about your real estate journey, all right? You keep your head up. You keep your shoulders back, and we will see you for episode number 106, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, it's G-Force O'Neill, brains of this operation, and the voice of the Ron and Don Show. Well, that's it. Show's over. We'll see you next time on the Ron and Don Radio Network. <laughs>